Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpete. excitement, half the flavor, wait, all the excitement, half the cup, look, we're here, we're back, we're ready to bring you episode 11-26 of the Ready to Unload radio program slash podcast, we got a ton to talk about tonight, the NFL, Major League Baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays, Hatgate, and BJ's Wholesale Warehouse, plus the Bishop Pop Culture PJ is back, producing for us tonight, He's back from the flood, literally. He'll tell us all about it. So, let's just get this underway. This is Ready to Unload. It is Tuesday night. It is 9.30. We are at Dumbling Town Studios, Stewart Bayside. We are live. We are Ready to Unload with Count Sam Pete. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the podcast slash episode slash live internet event. My name is Steve Sampietro. I'm one of your co-hosts for Ready to Unload with Count Sam Pete. That's uh, without further ado, because we've been off for about 27 days. We've been off for like two months. Let's bring in uh, my co-host, my partner in crime, my partner in grime, my partner in all things sublime, the scrumptious Calneva. That was a hotel casino owned by Frank Sinatra. Caliente! That's a hot pepper. Caspino! I don't know what that is. Calvi, hi Brian. Hey Steve. Hey, how are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Hello. It feels like feels like a sabbatical. We're coming off of, huh? Feels like we came back off sabbatical again. It, it we've only been off for one week, but it feels like we took the summer off, and now we're back for the fall season. It does feel like we're starting up on the fall season tonight, and we have the Bishop Pop Culture PJ back. He is producing the show tonight. We are thrilled to have him. And tune in, Cal. Which one of us is going to be pregnant in November? I don't know. Which character on RTU is going to be pregnant during sweeps? My money, TMZ is all over PJ for that one. They think PJ. Well, PJ is going to be pregnant, but who's the father? Isn't this the season where we add another kid? Yes, just randomly. Like, don't we have to add add either a baby to the cast or uh, like a young kid? I think we should add Oliver as he is today. 
as like a 50-year-old man. 56-year-old Oliver from the right. Brady Bunch. Let's add him. He's a super secret spy. We need to cuten up the program a little bit. That's right. We need to, or Brian Bonsall. I'm sure he's available. I'm sure he's around. What could Jonathan McNicky? Jonathan McNicky. What is he? What, what could he be doing right now? I bet you they're all hanging out together somewhere in the uh, the has been club. Really unhappy with their lives. Well, uh, we might not. we might be adding another character. We may get Doctor Ray Stat back this season. Who knows? Soon I hold my breath. I do. <laughs> that guy. Oh. He's down, in, he's down with the fam in Florida and yeah. uh, wanted to take in the Harry Potter uh, – wanted to go to the Harry Potter theme park there. It was summarily dismissed by the rest <laughs> of the family. So we have we have this vision of Dr. Erase that by himself. Right, and, just wandering like a, around. Right, like a montage of him in the Harry Potter theme park by himself. Wearing the glasses. Uh, going on all the rides. That's like the wand, the glasses. <laughs> Just laughing, laughing hysterical. Uh, there's a ton of sports to talk about, Cal, but before we get to that, let me just ask you. I know last week you took the week off. I needed the week off. Uh, you had the girls now starting school. Yes, uh, that's right. This is a huge uh, – uh, PJ can speak to this as well. This is like a huge process, right, when they get to – I'm years away from this. You're not as far away as you might think. It It, it kind of comes up quickly. Okay, you know this, this is a big process when they start a new grade. Sure, sure. Uh, getting them ready for school is is a uh, is a whole thing, and it more more so is just changing the routine like overnight. Right. You know, on Tuesday it's the summer. On Wednesday they're in school, and, and when- now all of a sudden they got to wake up early. They got to have breakfast. They got to get on a bus. I mean, it's just it's crazy. Right. I thought you know? that. I thought that on Tuesday of last week, too, that Facebook should have been changed to first day of school picture book. Right. Because every status update, I guess that's of a certain age, too. Like, we're a certain age where that happens. Yeah, and and the funny thing, I was talking to my wife about this, everybody seems to have a kid in kindergarten this year. Yeah, it's a big year. Kindergarten is packed. They are overwrought. That was, you know, 2006 was a very popular year, apparently. Yeah. Well, the Mets were in the playoffs. Well, you know, <laughs> Mets were on their way to a World Series. Um, well, I, maybe I should say 2005. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, we need a cough button. God, I need a cough button. Who's our producer? Where is our we're producer? We're a lozenge or something, maybe. I do need a lozenge. Cal, um, let me ask you one more question. Uh, how did it go? It went well. Let's do first. Emma's now like in 14th grade, right? Yeah, she's she's driving. You know, she hates me. It's great. Right. It was a long summer, apparently. <laughs> no. I, no, they're good. They're, I said on the 4th of July, she wasn't driving yet. Oh, but, yeah, no. Well, she we just didn't – she didn't drive that day, but <laughs> did, she, did, she do, did she do the first grade thing? Kindergarten. Kindergarten. Brand new to, to, the, uh, to the full day school experience, and – she just looked horrible that first day of school in the afternoon. It was around four thirty. I just she looked like she had. You're describing her as like a left-handed reliever. She really, you know, she was winded. She looked horrible. <laughs> Poor kid. She. she uh, do you remember? Um, do you remember the first Rocky? Of course. <laughs> By the fifteenth round. What what the two of them looked like? Right. 
That was my kids on the first day of school. <laughs> they were completely put through the ringer. Little, little, little bit. But the, but you know, what's amazing is that today was the fifth day of school, and it's as if they've been in school for the last six months. It, they're very resilient like that. These kids. They're amazingly uh, adaptable. We could learn a lot from the little people, Steve. We really could. I have often said that. I uh, maybe that's where I heard that. That's uh, that's I'm I'm renowned for saying that. I say that all the time. Usually, usually it has nothing to do with anything I'm talking about. Uh, when, in gonna, when in Rome. Still not using that correctly. Um, we have a, a huge, uh, great uh, amount of sports to talk about. Yeah, we do. I want to get right to it. Uh, and, and one of the things that happened on our little uh, break here was uh, the 10th anniversary of 9-11. Uh, surprise, surprise, like I'm breaking some news here. Uh, but that was, of course, on Sunday, and, and there was an NFL opening day on Sunday, et cetera, et cetera. Really uh, sort of worlds colliding there, Cal. You know, usually sports is the escape from uh, mm-hmm. the real life and the real world and things like 9-11, et cetera. Um, and they were sort of colliding that day. And here in New York was not without controversy involving our beloved Mets, who we thought, you know, would go into the fall nice and quiet like we would follow Jose Reyes' pursuit of the first ever batting championship, batting title for a Met. And everything would be, you know, nice. It would be cookies nice, you know, like you'd have some coffee, some cookies, and we'd put the season to bed nice. But no, Cal. No, first while we were away, David Einhorn who was going to be the uh, minority partner and come in with $250 million of capital for the Mets, pulls out of the deal. And it's a he said, she said situation where uh, Einhorn supposedly wanted to get control after five years and had the, it was nonsense. Typical, typical Mets stuff. We missed that. Mm-hmm. And then there was Hatgate. Hatgate. Hatgate, Cal. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, you know, we were talking about this yesterday, offline, as it were. And we, I said, I, want, I, I really want to talk about this tomorrow night because I got a lot of strong opinions on it. And you said, well, you know, let's make sure they don't kill it on Monday because, you know, by the time you get to Tuesday, it might, might be old news. And just in the last day, the story just keeps unfolding. This is like, a, this is like an onion, this story with all of the different layers that are peeling away and who's at fault and who did what and did they take the caps away? Did they, you know, it, there's just so many different stories that when, when the news first broke that Major League Baseball didn't allow the Mets, and, and just to take a step back and I'll explain what's going on in case people don't know, the Mets wanted to wear the caps of the first responders on 9-11 just like the Mets did 10 years ago in the first game back after uh, after actual 9/11 in, in 2001, um, they would wear the hats of the of the fire department, the NYPD, the Port Authority PD, uh, and to honor them, to honor those agencies. And the Mets wanted to do that again this year on the 10th anniversary. And the story that came out was that Major League Baseball did not allow them to wear the hats, and that's how it started. And immediately. I was angry. You know, my first, I don't know how your first, first reaction was, Steve, but mine was anger. 
You know, it was just a, this is this is it's an outrage. How how could they be so tone deaf and so short sighted to you know bring down this edict that you can't wear these hats? I mean, it, it made no sense to me. And in the subsequent hours and days since then, now you hear that Major League Baseball didn't really get as heavy handed as it initially sounded, and that there were no threats of fines if the Mets did wear the hats. So now you're left to wonder, okay, well, maybe this is a Met thing. Maybe the Mets dropped the ball here, and maybe they should have worn the hats if there wasn't a threat of fines. And I'm just, you know, I just don't, I don't know how to feel about it anymore. I've gone from anger to just utter confusion. I don't know what to think anymore. What do you think about this, Steve? Here's the thing. Okay, and I hate uh, prefacing my point with that, so I want to take that back. Here's how I feel, Cal. Uh, it's it's it, The entire situation is nonsense. We had Joe Torrey come on uh, the local radio program here with Mike Francesa, Mike Dupp, uh, and, and who – he Joe Torrey called and asked to come on and explain himself. Joe Torrey is now working for Major League Baseball Operations. And Joe Torrey called to ask or called to ask to come on the show and explain himself because he was catching so much flack, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, you know, look, you know, we want everybody to be uniform. So he said that Major League Baseball was not going to let them wear the hats for the game. Well, that's a fact. There was a memo that went out last week. Major League Baseball sent a memo to all, all 30 teams, not just, not just the Mets, but to all 30 teams, letting them know that no, no special exceptions are going to be made for 9-11 with any kind of hats that you want to wear, but, which, is crazy, which is crazy that they, they thought to send a memo out about but, that. But, Cal, the Mets were the only team that asked. The Mets asked. Joe Torrey, no. Joe Torrey confirmed that they asked. I, look, yes. I heard him say it. Right, but my point is they sent a memo out to every team before the Mets asked to right. let them know that this is this is the situation. And then the Mets asked for an exception to be made. Right. And Major League Baseball said no. Exactly. You know, now th- I think the problem lies in the idea that the that the hats were somehow ripped off the Mets heads after the very stirring and well-done ceremony uh before the Mets game on Sunday night where the first, respond, uh, first responders were there, et cetera, et cetera, and, and the Mets were wearing the hats in, uh, you know, in batting practice and stuff like that. R.A. Dickey tweeted that they came and took the hats away. And David right. Wright said, well, nobody took my hat away. He wore it between innings. So you had, a, you had basically people calling R.A. Dickey a liar, uh, in in the press, and you were, uh, and then the the, the overwhelming uh, theme seemed to be, well, if the Mets wanted to wear the hats, they just should have worn them. What is Major League Baseball going to do? Fine them? And and right. that misses the point. Well, then there was an article in the Post today. I don't know if you read this that suggests that the Mets hierarchy misled the team and told the team that you you know I, I, we shouldn't wear these hats because there could be heavy fines levied against us when that wasn't the case so there's a, so there's a whole other angle in here that it's that it's ownership right that is looking to not rock the boat with major league baseball who's already bailed out the team by giving them money earlier in the season and they they sensed that the players were going to do something that was going to anger major league baseball so they stepped in and they kind of, you know, 
maybe stretched the truth a little bit and said, eh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wear these hats if, if there's going to be fines involved. I mean, just I don't know who to believe. I, and you know what? What drives you crazy about it, Brian, is that they're just trying to do the right thing on the day. Let the players wear the hats. Major League Baseball is wrong uh, in, 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 in the beginning of this by not That's letting the players starts. wear the hats. Right. Right. Okay. Let the the Mets made a special request. Let the Mets wear the hats. And then and then it comes out ten years ago that the Mets wanted to wear the hats for the rest of the season after nine eleven. Major League Baseball said no, and the Mets said too bad. So Todd right. Zeal, John Franco, they, Todd Zeal said you would have to rip them off our heads. Right. And the Mets wore them for the rest of the season. MLB be darned. Mm-hmm. Be, be damned. I'll say it. I'm fired up. Mm-hmm. Um. But that was different. Like, Francesa kept bringing up that point the other day, Cal, yesterday, saying, you know, how come they didn't do it then? Or how come they they still wore them then? Because Major League Baseball didn't have a commemorative $37.99 9-11 hat that they had this year. Okay? They didn't have special hats for 9-11 in 2001. 9-11 happened. Nobody knew what the freak to do with themselves. The Mets were a huge part of this city healing. I know the Yankees went to the World Series that year. And I don't want to take anything away from the Yankees, but the Mets were the first team to play in the city after nine eleven. And no, it's not. You know, both teams were integral in trying to heal the city. Right. Okay. If the Mets wanted to wear the first responder hats for the game, let them wear them. Well, and Tory said, "Well, where does it stop then?" I, I. where does the tribute stop? This is nine eleven. It's it's uh, I, 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 it's hard for me to talk about because it's very it's it's a sensitive topic. The whole nine eleven thing. Hold on. Oh, we lost the uh, we lost Bry there. Let me see here. We lost Bry. Hold on. Buggy. I didn't do that. Don't I, don't blame me. <laughs> hey, oh, PJ. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Okay, Bry's back. So I was but stealing trying to censor me. See? They have people everywhere, PJ. Tory called. I should have mentioned that. <laughs> Did you hang up on him? When Joe Tory calls, you put him through. No, no, he said pull him out. Pull him out now. <laughs> and he hung up. <laughs> That's not a bad Joe Tory. Thank you. That was pretty good. Welcome back to the show, uh, Pop Culture PJ. You were on sabbatical. I was. We had you on sabbatical. We decided you were on sabbatical. <laughs> Many healthcare professionals decided that I should be on sabbatical. <laughs> well, we're, we're going to uh, uh, talk to you about the flood and everything in a minute. Let's just let Brian uh, go crazy here for a second. No, I'm not oh. <laughs> Rev him no, back up. Poke the bear, Steve. I'm going to say, what were you gonna, let me poke the bear a little bit. Where's the honey sauce? No, you, you're right. It's very difficult to talk about because the emotions are very raw. Okay, I, I personally have a problem, uh, difficulty, personal difficulty with nine eleven as a commemoration myself, just from a personal level. Well, so it's difficult. The ceremony that they did on Sunday night was 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 very well done. It was it was a simple ceremony. Um, it, it was tasteful. It was it was it it was appropriately reverent of the occasion. It wasn't ex- exploitative of anything. It was just it was just done well, right? Um, and the fact that this Hatgate controversy is overshadowing everything that was done on that day by the Mets 
just it, it just it just makes me angry. You know, it makes me angry at Major League Baseball for starting the whole thing. It makes me angry with the Mets organization because I do feel like they should have just manned up and worn the hats anyway. Because if you have a that's the thing, if you have a conviction about something, you do it. Okay? You do it. What what is gonna happen if you wear the hats? You know? You're not hurting anybody. Right. Well that's like Josh Tolley said, what are they gonna do? Fire us? That's the thing. You're not gonna lose your job. You're not hurting anybody. If anything, you're helping to heal. Right. You know? You're helping to make these people who were so important on that day ten years ago feel better about everything. You know, all you hear about, and, and, and I watched so much of this on Sunday, and they talked to families that were affected by 9-11, and they talked about that game 10 days later at Shea Stadium when the Mets and Braves came back, and all of the people that had lost people in, in, in the tragedy that went to the game, and they felt like that one moment when Mike Piazza hit the home run really helped them. You know, it doesn't... It doesn't bring people back that they lost. It doesn't erase everything that happened. But for a moment, for the first time in 10 days, they were able to kind of smile and breathe. And it was really nice. And the Mets wanted to do something to emulate 10 years ago. Not emulate, but they wanted, they wanted to call back to a, a, a special occasion from 10 years ago, and they couldn't do it. Right, to commemorate it and to draw back on that healing that that night provided for many people at Chase Stadium. Many people. And, right. and a lot of the city watching, you know. Right. Uh, and it just is so frustrating, Cal, that it always seems to be with this organization that they louse something up. Whether it's right. their fault or not. You know, like, it, it, do you have any doubt in your mind that if the Yankees were home that night, Okay, and asked to wear the first responder hats at Major League Baseball would have said fine. I mean, somebody from Major League Baseball would have driven them over to the stadium for them. <laughs> you know, you would have had Joe Torre placing it on each head of the Yankees <laughs> as they walked out onto the field. <laughs> you know, but because it's the Mets, you know, it, yeah. you know, it's, you know I, it's always the freaking gang who can't shoot straight. Always. We joke. We joke about only the Mets. Only that. Only, only the Mets could could be involved in a nine eleven controversy. Right. Are, are you kidding me? Right. Uh, it's, it's very frustrating. It, it, it really is. It, it's really very frustrating. And what? And, and like I said, the, the worst part about it was reading all of this information that came out after watching the ceremony because the ceremony was beautiful. Yeah. You know, they really, they really did a great job with the ceremony. And you have to, you know, we kill them for everything. Give them a lot of credit for the ceremony that they put on on Sunday night because it was great. Right. You know, they, they did it right. They did it first class and they did it with taste, decorum. It was mm -hmm. non-exploitive, as you said, which was, I'm sorry, lacking in many places, whether it be actual news coverage and or, uh, you know, sports coverage. It was the exploitation of 9-11, which drives me a little crazy and is a whole different podcast. It's not a podcast that we're doing. Well, and, and just, to, and just to, to touch on that, let's not forget ESPN and Major League Baseball moved this game to yeah. prime time on 9-11 to take advantage of 9-11. Right. Major League Baseball made that decision to move this game to 8 o'clock so that they could, they could do a whole thing about the day on the broadcast. And put it up against the Jets and the NFL on opening night. I didn't see the ratings. Oh, it got Jet, killed, well, Cal. Well, well, we saw well we saw the Jet ratings. It was the highest rated 
uh, episode of Sunday Night Football in history. I did like a 24. So who was watching the Mets game? Uh, you and me on yeah. DVR. I you watched know, I, the ceremony. I, I, honestly, Cal, they they put it they put it at night on ESPN against the Jets opening night against the Cowboys. I mean, come the whole, on. The whole thing just just smacks of bad taste. You know, it it, it yep. really does. It reeks, Cal. It reeks. I don't like it. I I look this entire thing. As you know, my father's a retired emergency service police officer, 31 years on the force. The, the, the NYPD guys, especially emergency service, who lost a lot of guys that day, as did everybody, are very near and dear to my heart. You know, those guys, uh, I, I knew some of them. Uh, they had worked with my dad. My dad had retired two years before 9-11. Thank goodness. Um, you know, he knew those guys. Look, the, the Mets wearing those hats, to me, Meant the world to me in 2001. Meant the world to me. Seeing an emergency service hat on uh, Mike Piazza or, or John Franco, you know, was was huge to me. Meant the world yeah. to all those guys. Right. It was a huge recognition of those guys. You know, especially you know, particularly with my dad with emergency service. You know, uh, because it is a special uh, special unit of the NYPD. You know, that that was huge. You couldn't let him do it for one night. I mean, come on now. Enough. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> it is, you know, I just, I just pulled the sexual chocolate. I'm sorry. Well, I didn't mean to do it. It is, it is what it is. You can't change what happened. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm disappointed. That's, that's the word I have. The, the, yeah. That's the feeling I have. I'm, I'm disappointed in pretty much everyone involved in this. Yeah. It's a shame that we even have to talk about it. It really is. You know, it's, it's a shame that you know they couldn't just have a nice commemorative ceremony that they did that was tasteful with decorum and that be that not the Mets not Major League Baseball not in this town it's got to be a controversy for a week and we missed the whole freaking point well, yeah. uh, whatever whatever I you know I don't I don't want to be only the Mets Cal I don't want you and I don't do that on we this don't. program we don't but it seems like these things only happen to the Mets they were happening to the Yankees too. I well, you know what? Hey, Cal, you know what I was thinking? What? Did the Giants somehow start using the hospital for special surgery? <laughs> <laughs> we just all the time oh, boy. about the Mets and the injuries that they've had since 2009, and they had them again this year, by the way, Cal. Uh huh. All right. And the Giants are drinking the Met hospital for special surgery Kool Aid. The New York Football Giants. You know, the, and the funniest thing that I saw in the last week, and it's not funny because you shouldn't laugh at the man, but Jay Horowitz, the PR director for the Mets, broke his ankle. Yeah. And it was reported that he was heading to the hospital for special special surgery. Right. And, you know, the Mets would have been better off just not even saying anything. Right. <laughs> because, you know, he won't be able to PR for at least six to eight weeks. Hey, where's Jay? We don't know. Right, we don't know. We sent him to the hospital for special surgery for his ankle, and uh, he's been on the DL for five months. <laughs> yeah, the, Gi the Giants are crazy. Cal, I hope he doesn't go to the same doctor that Ike Davis went to for his ankle. <laughs> and he yeah. broke his ankle. I Ike Davis just bruised it. Right. He would have been. Be Ike Davis would have been better off breaking his ankle. Jay Har Har he's going to be on crutches in 2013, <laughs> hobbling around. Hey, he gets disability. Uh, day to day. 
<laughs> day to day. Aren't we all? Uh, so anyway, that's that's it on the Mets. On the field, the Mets are, are playing out the string. Let's move now, Cal. Cal. Mm. Why do I, when I say that, I sound like uh, a few good men? I don't know. I feel like I'm in trouble. Cal. Answer, answer, the, answer the sergeant's question. Cal. We did nothing wrong, Cal. Uh... Before we get to the baseball and then the football, mm. do, you want, do you want to bring uh, – let's bring the bishop in. Yeah, because that's that's also part of this. We haven't been on the air since the uh, – well, we, were, we were on the air, but, but PJ was not on the air with us. No, <laughs> no, no. Uh, let's bring him in now. Let's see. Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to play this. Oh, man. Right now, we'd like to welcome to Ready to Unload <laughs> our producer, the Bishop, Pop Culture PJ. Hi, PJ. Welcome back to the show. Hey, it's a great night. <laughs> great night. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here. It is uh, fantastic to have you back. How have you been? Ah. Uh, it's been an interesting sabbatical. It's been a learning experience. <laughs> so the first question is that uh yeah, hit, me, that, hit, me, hit me with a series of rapid fire questions. I'll just I'll just I'll give you the fastest answers I can give you. Okay. So the first question is that uh little intro music that I played, which was called yeah. the one the one guitar. Yeah. Uh because you had bought this guitar that was the guitar to uh, unite all the guitars. So we called it the yes. one guitar. And then you wrote that little uh, intro piece for you. Uh, yes. A, does that guitar still exist, or did we lose that in the flood? And B, yes. do, we have, do we have the hard drive that that song was contained on? That guitar is doing fine. That guitar was in my car with me <laughs> while the rest of my possessions were being floated down the Passaic River, <laughs> unbeknownst to me. And I arrived home uh, about 12 hours after the floodwaters had receded uh, to find everything that I owned covered in a layer of mud. Now, this is... Uh, yeah. The hard drives you speak of are... Damp. <laughs> Status unknown. Oh, boy. Oh, God. For those of you who don't know, uh, of course, we had the hurricane back here on the northeast. Uh, Irene. Most of the east Coast. Irene, which uh, hit uh, our, our buddy pop culture PJ particularly hard in a sort of anomaly <laughs> His particular town in New Jersey uh, got flooded completely, and no laughing matter. His entire split-level ranch, the first floor is was underwater, and he has to rip out the. Well, what what are we ripping out downstairs? Well, here's the thing. Here's well, here's why I'm such a lucky devil uh, because the town didn't flood. I. No one flooded, but I flooded. Well, how did that I happen? Lived- I live 75 feet away from a nice stream, 
which carries the street sewer waters when you know when there's water in the street and it flows into the street sewer that water flows in a stream behind my house out to a, a water treatment facility and then eventually into a reservoir blah 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 uh that stream was blocked up as the flood uh as the rain fell heavier and heavier things fell into the stream and we found out later it was blocked up by railroad ties and some guy's firewood Oh, so the, oh, so the waters rose, and the water came up 70 feet to, to my house. Then it came through my house. Then it went past my house, and then it receded back the other way. <sighs> and then wow. I came home. <laughs> now, have we found this guy yet? Scotch. Scotch. <laughs> Send down the peach schnapps. Thank you. Have we have we found this guy yet? Uh, this guy the, who's the guy railroad. The guy, the guy, yeah, the guy with the firewood. No, no, we don't know. We don't know whose backyard it came. It could have been anybody along the block. Who's, who I say we. I say we find this guy. We'll go house to house if we have to. Yeah, I think I think he should be paid a visit by some people with crooked noses and vowels ending their last name. Let me tell you this: I've been in touch with FEMA. And one of the things when you call FEMA, they have you look at um, a map of floodplains. Because when you're looking for flood insurance, they want to know what kind of a floodplain you live on. So we looked it up, and we got as specific enough as my actual backyard. They actually have a chart for my backyard. And one half of my backyard is considered a once-every-hundred-years flood. The other part of my backyard is considered a once every 500 years. <laughs> and I hit a phone. You hit, you hit the jackpot. I, you, you lucky devil. Cal, I was talking to PJ earlier. He's on the phone with FEMA every day, with his insurance carrier every day, because his car was totaled, because it was in the driveway. Right. Oh, yeah, the car, yeah, the car's dead. I have no car. Right, so the car was at the bottom. Your driveway slopes slopes down, Peach. We should note that there's a every pretty slope, slope. Right. Every slope slopes down, Stephen. Wow. <laughs> it's a slope. Wow. That's fair. You got me on I that not. one. I, th- I think he's entitled, Steve. Tequila. I'm quite sure I've earned it. <laughs> um, Go on. So anyway, there's a slope uh, into his driveway. So the car is total. So he's been on the phone with FEMA. Yeah. His insurance carrier, and who is the third one? My pool guy. Oh, the pool guy, right? Right, because what the what the uh, stream also brought to me was a truckload full of mud. You know, river bottom, silty mud, and it dumped it all in my pool as it made its way to my house. <laughs> so we called the pool guy to come out and take a look at it because the pool is completely shot. And the pool guy who works, uh, who's been doing this for 25 years, uh, said as as he uh, sucked on his cigarette, he said, "Man, I've been doing this for 25 years. I gotta tell you, this is the worst I've ever seen." <laughs> Talking about my well, pool. PJ, if he had been doing it for every 500 years, he might right. have seen something like this. <laughs> Damn right. You know, if he was like Yoda, or like. If he was and he was nine hundred and thirty seven years old, he may have seen it twice. There's value in that experience, sure. 
That's right. He was like, you know what? I saw something just like this in 1586. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he so basically after the Battle of Hastings, they had a lot of in-ground pools go belly up. Apparently. <laughs> now, now you know we all know FEMA as a crack organization. Uh, from you may have you may remember their album uh, Katrina, uh, right? One of one of their big hits. Um, right. How how is how has it been dealing with the FEMA folks? They're um, slow and deliberate. Let's put it that way. I'm surprised. They're in, you... they're, they're in no rush to getting anything right or to get anything wrong. <laughs> usually, usually government agencies are so efficient. Yeah, it's it's a bit like the old school DMV. Right. Get on line one to ask the question, to get back on line two, to get the form, to get back on line one, to get the right pencil. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot like that. Now, PJ, is everyone okay? That's the main thing. See, Cal, he's, isn't Cal so, like, Italian? This is where the, this, this is where the Italian <laughs> side comes out. The French-Canadian part of Cal is like, oh, oh, oh how much is the damage? <laughs> but the Italian oh, part of Cal is like, Okay, five. Is everybody all right? Everybody all right? Can I send over something? Or send Can over I a send, over some, send over <laughs> some food? Uh, everybody cold, everybody is all right. Nice. Right. You know, nerves are frayed, but everybody is, is all right. And I've seen an absolute outpouring from outstanding friends and family. Unbelievable. Well, that's nice. That's nice yeah. to hear. Yeah. Still so waiting far, on you, Calvin. That's right. So, well, there's going to be a nice cold cut platter coming from the cow. I can tell you that much right now. I made a nice antipasta. I think you like it, PJ. Right. There's going to be super sad on there. There's going to be a lot That's of nice, nice. stuff. Nice. Salted meat, then FedEx. Do it. I just wonder, uh, PJ, when we're going to have the concert for PJ. <laughs> it may have to happen. I don't know. I don't have enough equipment to play. That's right. I have to play other... with borrowed stuff. Right, the other huge portion of this is Dumpling Sound Studios. The original uh, original recipe. Yeah. It's destroyed. Yeah. It's destroyed. Okay. Yeah. Mudslide. And it was not like the good Woodstock kind of mudslide. Well, the building stands. The oh, building of is it's... there. The, the building stinks. <laughs> yeah. It smells but like... It smells like someone the... dumped a bunch of hermit crab shells in there and then locked the door for a couple of days. <laughs> If the building stands, then that means it can be rebuilt. Is that right? Yes. Yes, but filled with what? Well, that's where that is where Ty Pennington and the cast of Extreme Home Makeover come in. Oh yeah, I want a theme room. I'm into bowling. Move Ty. that bus! Move that bus! <laughs> <laughs> we made you a bed out of bowling pins. Oh, thank you, Ty. Thank you. <laughs> That's, that's what welcome, I needed. Let's welcome ZZ Top as they come in and try to... That's right. <laughs> Everybody chipped in and we're paying for your daughter's tuition at dental school. That's great. Thank you. She wants to be an artist. No one consulted me. <laughs> the equipment took a hit. It's oh, just long man. and short of that. The equipment. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yes. I'm down uh, 
several computers, several hard drives. Dumpling sound is, you know, eh. But, hey, look, we have a sense of humor about these things. That's right. We have to laugh about it because, uh, you know, it's uh, – it's it, we have to laugh about it, Peach, because if not, we'd start crying. And, uh, right. and, and do you think at any point, though, that uh, – and I'm being honest here because we didn't even get to talk about this today. Do you think uh, that uh, any of the hard drives are salvageable? <laughs> <laughs> Not so much. Um, I think I I have a feeling. I'll put it this way: there's a little there's a little voice in the back of my head. For some reason, it's a persistent voice that says, "Concerning the studio, all is not lost." Right. Now, and for those for those of you who don't know what you're talking about, you you had everything on on sort of terror stations that everything that we've ever recorded every that you've ever recorded. In, yeah. I'm talking every track for nine and a half years. Yeah. That's was a lot in a in a tower of hard drives that oops was 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 sitting very close to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. You know, yeah. cables are only so long. I couldn't put it up on a shelf, and look what happened. Not only that, but you were, <clears throat> as we found out, dealing with an every 500-year phenomenon. I'm not I'm not sure you could have really planned for a flood. The stream is 75 feet away and three feet down. Right. So it had to come up and over and then up again to come get my <sighs> stuff, and it did. What can I do? <laughs> Calvi just gave you a really good sigh. That's a good. I felt that sigh. That sigh made me sigh. We're that, we're happy to have you back here for the new season of Ready to Unload. What else am I gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> now, PJ, where are you now? I'm sitting between a pile of sheetrock. <laughs> And a bucket of tools. So you are still you are in the studio then. We're uh, we're rebuild. Well, the entire the entire lower half of my house was, is gone. Oh. So uh, we we are rebuilding that, and I'm I'm uh, I spend my time among the ruins. He's sitting he's sitting on a bucket. Next yeah. Sheetrock and tools. We had to throw out a lot of chairs. Yeah. Well. Chairs, uh, couches, furniture. Right. The kid. The cat made it. The cat lived. We I mean, haven't heard her tonight. That's good. She's here, though. She, uh, she must be traumatized. She's been a little quiet. Yeah. Well, she, she was home while this was all happening. He was watching the waters coming up going, I can't get to my litter box. Yeah, this is this is not good. I can't <laughs> believe that's right. You, your cats witnessed the whole thing because you, you were away on vacation. We were in Myrtle Beach, South right. Carolina. You guys were coming back that Saturday, so you thankfully for your family's safety, you missed the actual flooding. We you felt know, like geniuses because we stayed in Myrtle Beach because we knew that Irene was going to just whiff by. Right. So we said we're going to let Irene go over, and then we're going to drive up on her tail. Right. And that turned out to be a very poor decision. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing happens every once every five hundred years. What could possibly? We didn't know it was that time once. That we didn't check that the long calendar. We we right. have the you know 
month at a glance. That's it. We don't have <laughs> we don't have millennium at a glance. You didn't read that quatrain? No. <laughs> Wait. No. Wait for it. Wait. You can't say quatrain and not do this. Calstradamus. Cal could. You been. know where that track was recorded? <laughs> I was just gonna say. <laughs> I was just gonna say it's a good thing we have that on the switchboard here for on Blog Talk Radio because that's the only place that MP3 exists. Well, Don't let's hope that Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. yeah, let's let's hope Blog Talk Radio doesn't flood anytime soon. Right. Well, their servers are not my house, so you're okay. <laughs> well, uh, PJ, it is it is good to have you back. And in all seriousness, we are in all seriousosity, uh, we are really glad that you guys are, are okay. Because you know, I get the feeling if the flooding was that bad, Peach, and you guys had been home, you know, I could see you running out to the studio, being like, "I must save the hard drive." Yes. And getting you know, getting swept off into the Passaic River. No doubt, I would have been swept away by floodwaters because I would have, I would have, like an idiot, jumped outside to try yes. to do something resembling anything. And you do bear a striking resemblance to Tommy Lee Jones. That's true. See, see what I did there? Yeah. Boy, is that an obscure reference? Tina like does it. look. Tina does look like Sissy Spacek. Does that help? Search huh? every cat house, outhouse, doghouse. <laughs> and the first instant impression of the new season is a pop. <laughs> Why don't we have a jingle for the instant impression? Because there's oh. no studio, Cal. No, not. Why don't you just get on? <laughs> I'll get on that. Peach, I have a, uh, I have a digital four-track recorder. You can come Rub over. <laughs> Dude, we Rub got nothing. We got nothing over here. I'm gonna have to sing into the answering machine again, like I used to do. <laughs> All right, well, check back in with us when we talk about the Jets, okay, Peach? Love you. Love you too. Mm. All right. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> I need scotch. <laughs> Send down the scotch. Uh, so Cal. Let's uh, let's get back to uh, uh, baseball real quick, and then I want to talk about football. Okay. And uh, but with the baseball, let's let's find a way to segue this. Uh, what from a 500 year flood? That's right. To baseball. Well, the the Red Sox are about to blow a lead. <laughs> that happens once every 500 years, approximately. Exactly. Uh, how about the Tampa Bay Rays, Cal? Give them a lot of credit. They're they're feisty. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Well, now we, two weeks ago though, Cal, we were saying Major League Baseball is a problem. We're about to talk about football. We won't talk about baseball again until October in the playoffs. There are no races. Everything's decided. Oh, Tampa Bay said not so fast. You know who else has said not so fast? The St. Louis Cardinals. St. Louis Cardinals hot on the Braves trail. They're only four and a half behind Atlanta. Do you think that either of those teams – now, the Rays have the difficult schedule in that they play the Red Sox and the Yankees a ton. And Boston plays Baltimore seven times. Right. Do you think the Rays, though, can catch the Red Sox? The Red Sox are reeling. I think that the Rays can play good enough to catch them, but I think the Red Sox are not going to continue to play this poorly. 
You think uh, Baltimore is the the antidote? They might be the elixir. Yeah, I I I just love that the Rays. You know, since I read Moneyball, Cal, I'm all into this. Like, I, I just love when teams do things and and manage to get things done on little, you know, less resources and stuff like that. And you, I don't know why you, I don't I don't know why you read it. The movie's coming out next week. That's why I read it. Just just wait for the movie. I know. Um, no, but Cal, isn't doesn't this sort of fascinate you for as a Met fan for what the Mets are trying to do? And trying to build, doesn't this sort of fascinate you that the Rays can once again be competitive with homegrown players that are starting to play well? That everybody said you got to break up their core, right? Upton and Longoria, uh, they got rid of Carlos Pena. They bring up guys and plug in guys into that lineup, but it's all about the pitching, Cal. It's oh, you know, it almost always is. You give, take a team with good pitching, good young pitching, and they're always going to have a shot. Look at Atlanta. The Atlanta's offense is not that great. Atlanta's got just tremendous young pitching. Yeah. You know, that's that's usually what it is. And that's what Tampa's doing right now. And I give them a lot of credit. I, you know, you're seeing it a lot. Even the Mets, who are not near the race, but te- young teams that, that are seemingly out of it are playing hard in September. And it's nice to see. You know, look at St. Louis was was down eight nine games, and they've cut the lead to four and a half. Tampa Bay has gotten the lead to gotten the deficit to three games. Um, it it's 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 nice to see. It's that's how you play the game, you know. And in Tampa Bay's case, they're bringing kids up from the minor leagues as, as September call ups, but they're thrusting them right into the middle of this pennant race, and they're performing. You know, yeah, it's yeah. It, it's exciting. I don't I don't think, like I said. Tampa might be able to continue playing this well for the next two weeks. I just don't think Boston is going gonna, is gonna to fold completely. I think they're going to pull themselves out of it before it's too late. Right. Well, basically, Tampa can't lose. I mean, basically, they have to, like, win out. Well, it'd, be they, like, it'd be like having six games left on your NFL schedule and, like, having to win out to get into well, the playoffs. Well, not necessarily, because they do play Boston. They do have another three-game series with Boston. No, no, I, I know that, Cal, but, but as you said, Boston has all those games with Baltimore. Right. So they sort of have to win out. They sort of have to, uh, you know, win those games away from, from Baltimore. And they play the Yankees a number of times, too. Boy, I wish Dr. Ray was here so he could punch up the schedules. But alas, he's he's probably on the Gryffindor ride or whatever. <laughs> uh, he's probably hanging out with Hermione or something. Um, but the, uh, the, you know, the, the thing, the other thing about the Rays, you said like bringing up young players or whatever, they brought up the Moore kid, right? Right. Who they weren't going to bring up. Who's basically the number one pitching prospect in baseball. Okay. Outside of Steven Strasburg. Uh, and I guess you can call him the number one pitching prospect because he's never pitched in the major leagues until now. They called him up and they're going to use him as like that David Price role. Uh, from a couple years ago, where they use him out of the pen, and and he's just a uh, you know an electric electric pitcher, mm-hmm. and it just seems like Tampa Bay can do this over and over again. That's the team they built. They can keep bringing up these pitchers that help them, and I'm I'm loving it. You know, when it when a 35, you know, what do they got a 50 million dollar payroll tops? I, could it even be that? Yeah, and 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 they're going against the you know they're they're. I don't know how many games behind the Yankees. I think they're seven. They're still seven back of the Yankees. 
Right. But they're only three and a half back of the Red Sox coming into play tonight. The Red Sox have a hundred and eighty million dollar payroll. I I love it. I love it. And we're seeing Arizona do it with a very limited payroll in, in the AL or in the NL West. Again, pitching. Yep. Well, you know what? Can we talk about Ian Kennedy? Can we talk about it? Let's talk about it. Is this a joke? You know what? I got a kick out. I didn't tell you this. I got a kick out of somebody on Facebook posted, look what Ian Kennedy is doing. Boy, the Yankees really could use him now. <laughs> Too bad he didn't pitch like this for the Yankees. They could really use him now. Because, if, because without Ian Kennedy, the Yankees only have the second best record in baseball. That's right. You know? That's right. They could really use him. They could... <laughs> it, would be, it would be great if they could pick him up. Because uh... they, only, they only have 86 wins. I know. Well, they would have what a hundred and a hundred and five if they had him. Could you imagine what a what a I mean? People. But it's a, it is amazing what he's done for Arizona. Yeah. No, he's really found himself and become an ace, and they, and they are throwing a lot of young pitching at things. But again, Cal, you have guys that are part of the core, the quote unquote core, the the Chris Youngs, the Uptons, that they were supposed to break up that core that are performing. Right. And it's it's always interesting. I, th- I think back. You saw them. Or you tell the story. You saw them early in the season. Yeah. And it, and it just it felt dead out at that ballpark. Fifteen thousand people there. Maybe. It was a season that was going nowhere. Yep. And now look at them. They have the second best record in the National League. Yep. I, I mean, it's just it's it's ridiculous. I uh, I will. So looking at Tampa Bay's schedule. Are you looking at it? I am. Oh, okay. They are eighty-two and sixty-five. They are playing Baltimore. They lost tonight. They lost to Baltimore. 42. Well, then it's over. That's it. That's easy now. <laughs> you said they. You said they needed to win out. I was. I was being facetious. I was being nice. Uh, they have another one against Baltimore. Uh, then they have the Red Sox for three. For four. For four. Okay. Yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Red Sox, uh, off day Monday, three against the Yankees, three against Toronto, three more against the Yankees. Mm. Mod on. And then that's it. They end the season with the Yankees, I think. That's a tough road to hoe. That is a tough – watch your mouth. That is uh, – that's difficult. Uh, but, you know, they have Boston right in front of them. If they can get the – if they can beat Baltimore tomorrow night and go into that series – uh, they could basically be four games down, go into that four-game series. If they sweep Mingya, then they'd be even. They'd be all the way back. I can't believe that for a second. God, I would love it. I would so love it. It would It would be nice to kind of uh, welcome someone else into the club, a newer member. What do you think of What do you think of the AL playoffs as they're shaping up, Cal? What do I think? You gotta like Detroit. I know Anaheim's right there with the Rangers and the Wade. I in the, in the I game. like I like Anaheim. You I think if Anaheim. I do. I think if Anaheim sneaks its way into the playoffs, they're gonna be very dangerous. And again, it's all about the pitching. Weaver and Harron, Santana. I, I mean, I think I think Anaheim probably has. Now Detroit's got the best pitcher of the bunch yeah. in Verlander. But I think Anaheim has got the best collection of pitchers to throw at you in a series. Well, they're three back of the Rangers there. 
uh, in okay. the AL West. I'd love to look at their schedule, Cal. Can we do it? Why not? Is that allowed? This is our show. We could do what we want. In living color. I can't bring it up. You can't. <laughs> that's not available to you right now. No, no. I've got six. I've got six windows up, and I could lose a connection at any minute. So, <laughs> your computer is sweating. I need more RAM. <laughs> there's there's literally beads of sweat coming down on the monitor. <laughs> okay, they have uh, Oakland tonight. Oakland tomorrow. Then uh, three against Baltimore. Three against Toronto. And they close, and then they have Oakland again, again. This is Anaheim's schedule. This is Anaheim's schedule, boy. That is, that's favorable. That is nice. If, I like that they don't play Texas head to head, do they? I don't know. Yes, they close the season with three. Well, there you go. At home to Texas. Oh, that's who hot. says? Who says there's no pennant races? That is hot. That is awesome. Hot action in the ALS, Cal. It's exciting, and, and I, I'm so mad at Bud Selig and Major League Baseball that I almost don't wish this for them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but we're so I, angry about Hatgate that, you know, you just want – I hope everybody runs away with it and there's no pennant races. But what it boils down to is that I'm, I'm just too selfish because I want to experience playoff baseball. So You are selfish. I'm, 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 I'm looking the other way because I want, I want these races to go down to the wire. You know, speaking of playoff baseball, something occurred to me today. No, was it today? Something occurred to me, Cal. I think you'll appreciate this. Was it today? <laughs> I don't, I can't remember if it was yesterday or today, but it was it was specific to the idea of, and we're going to talk about this a little later on. But uh, uh, watching the opening day for the Jets, watching the opening night game, right. and. And it being sort of accepted in the household that I would be able to watch that game, uh, you know, without DVR, without any of that stuff. It was. Yes, it was. Okay. It was. It was a given in the house that it's it's opening night. Uh, the Mets season is in the tank, um, so I'm not forcing my wife to watch Met games on a nightly basis. Um, and it occurred to me that the Mets, in their history. And and I know I know this, and I know you know this, but I want you to say it aloud. We're off to another. We're we're about to enjoy another uh, postseason without Mets in, in the without the Mets in the postseason. Boy, that was a terrible way to say that. We're about to have another postseason where the Mets are not a participant. <laughs> How's that? You know how many? Do you know how many? <laughs> allow myself to introduce. <laughs> uh -oh. Ah, uh, Pop Culture PJ just typed a big smooth on the uh, I am. <laughs> Did he? Because I don't see that. He's not in the chat room. I don't know what I don't know what he could be doing. No, he's rebuilding a house. He has to <laughs> yeah. leave him alone. <laughs> he's got the, all that pesky sheetrock. <laughs> um, hey, Cal, do you know how many times in our life the Mets have been in the postseason? How many times in our in our life? In their existence. Or in their existence. Right. It, our life is even worse. <laughs> uh, they have been in the postseason one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times. Seven times. That's in their in their existence. That's, that's correct. And in our lifetime? Five. That's right. 
five times, which a five-year-old Yankee fan <laughs> has only seen playoff baseball. That's correct. And I know but, why I, I know the other reason I thought of it. One reason was it was a given that I'm allowed to watch a big Jet game. And if the Mets were in the playoffs, obviously I'd be able to watch every game, obviously. We'd, we'd all be watching in my house. Right. Because it's such a rare occurrence. It is. It's like a flood in New Jersey every 500 years. That's how rare it is. It would be like a flood. It would be like a house flooding in Freehold, New Jersey. Now let me ask you something because I'm 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 new to the jet deal. Oh, the other reason, no, no, Cal, but the other reason, well, yeah, too, the Phillies are about to make the postseason for their fifth consecutive year. Right. That's the sum total. Of all the postseasons I've seen in my lifetime. That's right. Where has it gone so radically wrong for the Mets? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just it's just accepted that this at this time of year there's no baseball. No meaningful baseball. Uh anyway, go ahead. What were you gonna say? No, what I was gonna say is how does how does the Met postseason futility shape up with the Jets? How many times have the Jets been in the playoffs in your life? That's a great question because before Parcells came there, came to the Jets, we're talking it was like a lunar eclipse. I, I mean, it, it was ridiculous. Before Parcells, it would have been it would have been eighty six. Now, in my lifetime, I would have seen them in eighty one. Uh, 85, 86, 91. That's it. All right, so four times before Parcells. Literally, four times before Parcells. Right. And they make it in 90. And then, you know what? Honestly, in the last 10, 12 years, it's been pretty good for the Jets. Yeah, they've, they've been in there a lot. Made the playoffs, I think, six or seven times in those 12 or 13 years. Well, they made the playoffs a bunch of times with Herm Edwards. That's correct. Well, they made it, what? They made it with three. Parcells once in his three years. Parcells just once? Yeah, just the, just the first year they went 9-7 and seven and uh, lost the last game to the Lions. That would have put them in the playoffs. Remember on the Leon Johnson uh, halfback option pass. How could I forget that? Took the ball out of Neil O'Donnell's hands. Yes. Then, of course, they went 12-4 and four with, with uh, Vinny. You know, and went to the AFC Championship game in '98, and then Vinny blew up his Achilles in '99, and they went eight and eight because he went to Ray Lucas way too late. Okay, so one right. year with him, then Gro made the playoffs in his only season, and okay. lost and lost to the Ravens. Okay, uh, in the first round, and then and then Herm makes it what twice? Three, I thought he made it three times. Doesn't he make it twice in four years? Mangini once, and now Rex twice. So you're talking about you're talking about uh, in the first my first thirty years of my life, or twenty eight years of my life, they only made it four times, and now they made it six since then. So yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, you can't complain about it anymore. You really can't. That's why the same old Jets nonsense is ridiculous. Right. Now let's what let's a segue into that segue yeah. into football, Cal. 
What did we? Well, you know what? We should do the fantasy advisor spot though. Let's do that spot, and then we'll go into football. Okay, go. All right. All right. Well, Cal, we had our fantasy draft. We are in two fantasy leagues. I got my ass handed to me in you our did. league. Wow. You, you got by the Miami Heat of our league. Yes, that's right. Keith Lee McWilson took care of me. Uh, our fantasy football league is very competitive, Cal. Guys are always looking for an edge and probably visit 10 sites a week trying to hunt down advice for their lineups, who to start, who to pick up, who to sit. Fantasy football advice sites are a cottage industry in and of themselves, Brian. There are more sites than players to draft, and they all claim to give the best advice. But which ones actually give the best advice? Do you know? You don't know, Cal. Oh, you missed it. I did a... (gasps) I don't know. (laughs) Well, we got a site that's going to give you a huge edge in your fantasy football league and take the work out of fantasy football. It's called ffadvisor.com. Okay, the guys at ffadvisor.com have gone mathematical with this thing. They have designed an algorithm that tells you what sites to trust when deciding who to start. Basically, Cal, they rate all the sites and tell you who did the best that week. Which is the best site for stardom, sit them, pick them up. That's ffadvisor.com. Take the guesswork out of fantasy football. And uh, hopefully, Cal, pretty soon we'll have our buddy Dave Rutley from ffadvisor.com back on here for the Fantasy Fives. We also oh. have to have the have to have the Swami on. We got a lot to do, Steve. We have a lot to do. It's a busy fall season. It, it really is. There's going to be guest stars. We may do a couple of crossover episodes. Uh, we're, It'll we're be a very have, special RTU. Right. We're going to have the folks from uh, the folks from Law and Order. Uh, maybe come over and do an episode. John Larroquette, I believe. <laughs> Law and Order RTU. RTU, that's right. John, I believe we're going to have John Larroquette at some point. Oh, he, oh, yeah, he always has to show up. Yeah. Look for James Spader, perhaps, because he's everywhere these days. And obviously Judith Light, as you've never seen her before. Correct. Naked. In November, guys, uh, one member of the RTU staff will be murdered. <laughs> I'm just teasing that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's so hackneyed though Everybody does murder Kidnapped Kidnapped I like Nice by Judith White by, no, well, You've never seen her before <laughs> My money is on Daniel Alderondo <laughs> That's right Daniel Alderondo that's right Another character in this play He'll be kidnapped by Judith Light Check out uh, www.rtusports.com and check out Daniel's writings. We did actually make NFL predictions, Cal. I know we did, and it's on the site. Do you want to talk about your predictions? No. No, I do not. Go to uh, go to www.rtusports.com and read our predictions. They're interesting. I've never done that before. Get out of here. You've yeah, never. You've, uh, I mean, you know, not where I was going to be held to it. Really? Yeah. You've done you've done sports radio before. I've done sports radio. I'm not a big prediction guy. I mean, we did oh. over we did over unders last year. Did we do over unders? <laughs> I think we did. I think we did over unders, but I, I you know I've never just come right out and said it. I'll tell you what, I like Daniel's predictions. What were his predictions? Daniel, chief blogger in chief, Alderondo. I uh, had the uh, Pats in the AFC East, Jets wild card, AFC North Steelers, Ravens wild card, 
uh, AFC South Texans, AFC West Chargers. So he went a little chalk there. Yeah, he did. And then NFC East Cowboys, Eagles wild card, kinky. Uh, NFC North Packers, NFC South Saints, Falcons wild card, NFC West Rams. And his Super Bowl prediction was Packers over the Pats. That's a little chalk. That's a little President Obama NCAA pool right there. It is. That is my prediction for the Super Bowl, too. I wanted to get uh, – yes, I noticed that. I wanted to get Pop Culture PJ's predictions, uh, but they were lost in the flood as well. <laughs> not, the, not the most uh, – what, what, give me some of your impressions uh, of week one in the NFL, Cal, uh, from the Jets and well, – well, let's do overall, and then let's do Jets and Giants. Okay, overall. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I, I say this every year. And I've only said it to people that are listening for two years, but I say this every year. Um, I get a free preview of the Sunday ticket on DirecTV every first week of the NFL season. Oh, it's so glorious. And we've covered this before, how I'm the only person in America that has DirecTV but does not have the Sunday ticket. <laughs> right? Because why, why would you have DirecTV? Why? If not to have the Sunday ticket. That's correct. Right? So I'm, I can't have it. I'm not allowed to have it. Right. Right. And I'm fine with that. So every first week of the season, <laughs> every first week of the season, it's glorious because I have access to everything. And I feel like a king sitting on a pot of gold. For those kings that sit on pots of gold. <laughs> Is that common? <laughs> that's, how, that's how rare I feel. Okay. But this year, this is the first year that I felt like I didn't need all of the games. I just needed one channel. And it's the same channel that you needed, and it's the same channel that you watched. It's the most unbelievable, glorious channel known to man. It's the Red Zone channel. And I just watched the Red Zone channel all day long. The Giant game which is a local New York game that you know we really should be pretty versed to speak about a giant game on a, on a New York-based sports show. I didn't watch that game, Steve. All, could all, all I saw were when they were in the red zone at that game. That's the only time I saw the giant game. Let me ask you a question, Cal. Do you remember when we were kids and we had cable and uh, certain channels were scrambled? Yes. Right? Like, for example, the Playboy Channel. Okay, the Playboy Channel was scrambled, and it had all the wavy lines and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, every once in a while, the scrambles would hit perfectly. The scramble would hit perfectly, and you'd get like eight minutes. Of eight minutes? Of the Playboy Channel. Yes, eight minutes. You could get that, me? You could get that long. Yes. That's crazy. I, I was sticking like eight seconds. I, maybe I could get. You might be right. That's what you having the Red Zone channel for that day. I, I, I want to say it's even better. It's, it's better? Probably, oh, yeah. it's pro- at this point in your life, that would be way better than having the Playboy channel, like, free preview. It, it would be way better, yet my wife would prefer me to have the Playboy channel. <laughs> That's how much she hates football. Wow. She calls it the F word. Right. Football is she the refer, F word. She refers to it as the F word. Wow. Um, so, 
I, I so, it, so, so it allowed me to go around the league. That was where I was going with that. Right. And and basically have the Playboy channel when you were 15. Because having the Playboy channel when you were 15 for a day, forget about it. Right. But they didn't do free previews back then. <laughs> Not of the Playboy channel. <laughs> Nothing like that. No. Uh, but you would watch it with the wavy lines, and you would you would wait. Oh, yeah. you, could, you, could, you could occasionally catch a little something, something. This was like having no wavy lines all day. There were no wavy lines. It was beautiful. And, I, and, and the, the best reaction was when I put it on at like 1.30, and I get a groan, ugh, like football. I said, yeah, but check this out. And I went to that one channel that shows the eight screens of all. Of the football games, like yeah. you get to choose which game you're going to go to, and 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 the the fit of rage that resulted from seeing eight different football. She says, "I'm so glad right now we don't have a big screen TV." Right. And fun times. And you said, "Surprise! <laughs> I went out and bought a big screen TV just for today. Happy first day of school. <laughs> Happy fall solstice." So that's that was the that was family fun first day of football Sunday in my nice. house. So, uh, I, and I of course uh, I get the Red Zone Channel and it's it's just it's just ridiculous. Well, but wait, 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 wait. Before we talk about what went on around the league, yes. While I was watching the Red Zone Channel, yes, which I'm never allowed to do, ever. Right. Okay. I'm sitting at home watching football. Where were you? I was at uh, BJ's Wholesale Club. I was at a little Home Depot, little Bed Bath and Beyond. I don't know though. I don't know if there'd be time. It's just time. This is this is what a night game means, though. Yeah, talk about this because this is this. I mean, the thought again. Now, you you are not the same man you were. Ooh. You have evolved, if you want to call it that. It's it's an evolution, Steve, but it's still something that takes a little getting used to, to get the news that you are at BJ's at 1.30 on the opening Sunday of the NFL season. That... <laughs> it was a little hard to digest. I'm not going to lie. Things change, Brian. People change. Steve, what happened? <laughs> I uh, here's the thing, you know, Jets with a night game. Uh, it's that's a tough sell for me to watch 11 hours of football. <laughs> <laughs> it just there's things to be done, cakes to be purchased, and I, you know, wholesale clubs to join. Uh, that's a tough sell to 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 say. To my wife uh, and my nine-month-old child, uh, daddy's going to be in front of the television from <laughs> one o'clock this afternoon until twelve thirty tonight. It just—I can't. I can't. I can't. Uh, those those boys are all gone now. Yeah, I'm just so I I'm I when I got home from BJ's, I put the Red Zone channel on and we made dinner nice and. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I had Wes there, and Wes was watching football with me, and you know, uh, and 
so yeah, I mean it it got on eventually, but I can't sell the eleven hour day, Cal. But Steve, and we talked about this before the before the sabbatical a couple of weeks ago. What does what does Sam Pete do the first time he doesn't have season tickets? Because this is now this would have been at least an eleven hour day for you. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. At least I did get um, some text messages from Tommy Bacala. You know, Tommy Tommy B uh, from the stadium of uh, the meats that he was cooking and whatnot. Uh, oh, he was there. Well, Tom's got season tickets. They didn't give theirs up. Oh, okay. Not 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 Uncle Tommy. No, no, Tommy. Tommy, right? Yeah. Tommy Tommy Balls. Um, so he was at the game. <clears throat> it was an interesting experience in that, honestly, Cal, I had that full day with the family, right? Uh, that I wouldn't have had, and that was great. And then. You know, uh, my wife was like, you know, when the game started, we put the little guy in a jet onesie and, you know, I had my jersey on and, of course, I had to put on uh, silver and blue sweatpants. That was the agreement for Uncle Michael because uh, my wife my wife is from Texas. Wait, wait. Just, just clarify yes. that Wesley was wearing the silver and blue sweatpants. Yes. No, of course. Not me. Okay. Because you said I had to put on silver and blue sweatpants. Put them on Wes. He's not dressing himself yet. Okay. Um, we're a little disappointed. He is nine months old. Um, but he doesn't mean spiral. Right. No. No. That was the uh, the agreement. We made a nice agreement with the uh, <laughs> a compromise with her uh, with my uh, my brother in law. Okay. Uh, jet Jet onesie. We happen to have like dark blue sweats with a silver stripe. So that was okay. Easy. Um, but it was but now, it, it was nice. You know, I watched the game. I, I you know I had a couple of beers. I was relaxed. You know, um, I, I, of course I can't sit and watch a game, so I was standing, pacing, doing my thing, texting with, you know, you guys, my brother, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. it was it was okay. It was a nice day. It wound up not. It's not so bad, right? It's not terrible. It's not that's, not so bad. You're absolutely right. That's where I, you know I, I joke and I make fun and but but the bottom line is. At this stage in our lives, yep. Not it's really you know you take what you can get and it's kind of the best of both worlds. Yep. No, you and you you have to put a certain amount of uh, uh, cachet back in the in the savings account, so you can go to that game on October twenty third and and go crazy. You know, hypothetically speaking, of course. Right. right. No, of course. I mean, who who would do such a thing? <laughs> um, but as far as the games go. Cal. Yeah. Um, the Giants, uh, with a very disappointing loss to the to the Redskins. Two things that I did find interesting, because I got to see a lot of this game uh, via the Red Zone channel. Um, uh, I was watching, I was flipping, actually watching the game itself and then flipping to the Red Zone channel. Um, a couple of interesting things. Gosh, they're so banged up, Cal. That yeah. team is, it, it's difficult to judge that team as to what they are, because that defense is so no tuck, no human Yora, uh that no de- secondary. No secondary. The defense is so banged up. Um but gosh, a start like that does not bode well for this team. Uh again, and then I think Eli Manning has he looks like way to the worldy to me. But yeah, but Steve Eli is what he is. You know? He did he's in his what seventh season, sixth season at this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, 
Seventh, yeah. It's like he's Mike. He's he's like Mike Pelfrey with a championship. Oh, you he's know, better, he's better than that. Well, he's better than that. But I mean, my point is, you, you, if you're sitting around waiting for Eli Manning to be, become something that he will never be, you, you you take Eli Manning with his warts and his ability to come back in the fourth quarter, and and, and that's and his ability to win, and his ability to win. You know, it's. This is something that I I actually uh, got through on uh, Manesh Mehta's uh, chat today, Cal, on the Daily News site about the Jets, and just was able to ask a question about Sanchez. This is what's killing me about Sanchez, that he's getting ripped all over the place. And, uh, you know, we had to hear again today about how Chad Henney, because he threw for 400 yards or whatever, uh, you know, is better than Sanchez or – you know, the next time Chad Henney throws a big touchdown pass against the Patriots will be the first time. Okay? The next time he throws a big touchdown pass in a game, let me know. Because he's, he's never done it in a game yeah. that counts. And Mark Sanchez has four road playoff victories. And in those games, he's got nine touchdowns and three picks. And he's not yet 25 years old. Okay, so enough. I'll take the quarterback that wins. And that's what I feel like with that Eli Manning. You know, is he gonna? Is he ever gonna be a twenty-two of twenty-five guy? No, that's not. That's not who he is. Is he a guy who can make every throw in the book and can lead you back in the fourth quarter if you're down by two scores? Yeah, he is. So Sanchez. So Are you going to continue that? And Eli's done it at the highest level. You have. You have to understand. He's going to make mistakes. Eli Manning, and when he's under pressure, he's going to throw a ridiculous interception every now and then, and you're going to want to pull your hair out. Absolutely. But you're, to, but you're going to trade that off for the time when you're down by three, and you're on your own 30 with a minute left, and he's got the ball. Yep. Because, you, because you can trust, because he's done it before, he's done it a number of times, you can trust that he's going to put you in the best position to win the game. And why doesn't that team just operate out of the hurry up? Or at least the no huddle. Just operate yeah. out of the no huddle. Gosh, he's so much more efficient out of the no huddle. He always has been. Yeah. Just go to it. What's the big deal? The other thing about this offense that, that, that drives you crazy, and I was talking to a buddy of mine, and he brought up a very good point. I was questioning why on, on third and short and fourth and short, they just refused to give the ball to Brandon Jacobs to run the ball up the middle. But my buddy brought up a very good point. If you remember a couple of years ago, they tried that. And he failed because he thinks he's a speed back. He doesn't realize that he's a big bruising guy that could just plow through the line and get two yards. You know, he tries to be elusive and, and, and athletic. And he had a problem with that a couple of years ago, and that made a lot of sense. That's why they don't do it right now. Some of the things just didn't get fixed either, Cal. I mean, they're still terrible in short yardage. Their special teams is just awful. I don't understand it. I don't understand how they could be that bad of a special team's uh, squad for, for four years. I, I don't I get it. Is it is it that they're not drafting enough depth uh, to cover up for the, the or is it because guys have to play because well that's injuries? this year that's the problem is their but depth is you know what they're out coached in special teams too Cal they're out coached that way yeah I mean we see it with the Jets that with their special teams coach Mike Westoff. Again, since Westhoff has been here, they have the best special teams in the league, some of the best special teams in the league. And we have seen, whether it's a return, we saw it Sunday night with a blocked punt that changed the game. The Jets use special teams to change games in their favor. <laughs> Where did that come from? 
Who's who? Who sent you? Who is that? Uh, uh, wow. It wasn't me. What a producer! Uh, gosh, he—I mean, everything he's been through, and he managed to find the Jets. We didn't have that coming. He, that wasn't even recorded. That was live. He had a bunch of people <laughs> outside his house. They're going to say, "Move that bus next." Move that that was an that instant bus. impression, guys. I could only do it once. Well, you somehow imitated 80,000 people really well. Wow. Um, but, Cal, you've seen the Jets with special teams change games. Mm-hmm. And, it seemed, and the Giants special teams still abysmal. And some of the, and again, and to go into this season without a tight end, Cal, I mean, come on. They really, they really miscalculated on, on, on that whole situation, letting Kevin Boss go. Yep, just uh, just uh, a, a tough a tough situation with the Giants where it doesn't seem like Jerry Reese, who knows if it's, uh, he, he was handcuffed, whatever, but it just doesn't seem like it was well thought out. Now here's the thing: they catch a huge break this week with a team that's just as banged up as them coming in with the Rams. Right. You know the Rams are going to possibly be without Stephen Jackson. Yeah. Oh no, they're I, without, think they're, I think they're without Stephen Jackson. Well, they're, they're, if they're without Steven Jackson, they are definitely without Danny Amendola. Yes. Their quarterback, Sam Bradford, is banged up. He might play, but he's banged up. So the Giants really do catch a little bit of a break this week. Right. Tuck might play. We're not sure. Right. But, um, but you know, if they can get it to 1-1, one and one, you start the season over in week three. If they fall to 0-2 to start the season. That's not the whole – it's very tough to come out of, especially considering all the injuries that they got to overcome. Well, Cal, they did it in 7 they weren't as banged up when they won the Super Bowl, Cal. It's just like 07. I don't remember that. It's what they went 0 and 2. Remember, they gave up like 52 points in the first two weeks, and everybody right. wanted to fire Spagnola. And uh, did I say his name right? Spagnola. Thank you. I almost called him Spicoli. That's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, but you know, that was after the first two weeks, they lost to like Washington by like 32, and everybody wanted to fire everybody. Just like 07, Cal. That's nobody has reminded me of 07 yet, so I don't remember that. Yeah, with the Giants. Yeah, we, we never hear that. Now, with the Jets, uh, hey, they got lucky. Let's move on. All right? That's it. Yeah, no, you had it all the way. I, I know. I know let's, you had it all the way. Let's dismiss, let's dismiss this game as they're a lucky team. Yeah. Uh, Dallas was moving all over them. Bink, 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 bink. They're going down the field. They have no answer. Dallas is the better team. They have no answer for uh, Des Bryant, who's an all-world player. I mean, he's just a beast. He's all-world, Cal. He's not good. He's great. He's unbelievable, dog. Unbelievable. <laughs> Let, let's be honest, though. They go down the field. Bing, bing, bing. Boom, boom, boom. Bop, bop, bop. Beep, beep, beep. <laughs> Touchdown, Dallas. Game should have been over. Hey, uh, wake, wake me up when the Jets cover a tight end. Wake. <laughs> it's not a big-time defense. Let me know. Let me know when they cover tight end. We, of course, are making fun of Mike Francesa here, uh, the the institution that is Mike Francesa here in New York, who, uh, let's face it, has a little thing for the Jets. It's not as bad. He he did mend fences over the summer with the team, but I think he did. No, he did. He's just he's just an instigator. Yeah, he is. I mean, uh, if you heard him yesterday, he was just he was trying too hard to push buttons. This is all I have to say about the Jet game. And we can get into the, the analysis of 
of uh, the, the stats, and it, but it's, it's Tuesday. It's all been done. Uh, here's what I want. Here's my take. Here's what I want to say. Okay. So I'm texting back and forth with my brother-in-law, right? The Cowboy fan. Mm-hmm. And we have a round of golf bet on this game. So when I go to Texas for Christmas, uh, the winner of this game uh, uh, or the loser of the game owes a round of golf, right? Great. So, so we're texting back and forth. And what occurs to me, two things occur to me. One, Cowboy fans have developed a little bit of Met-itis in that they're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Because even when he was up 14 points, okay, he was nervous. Game was definitely not over. Okay, for him. And I know this because that's the other strange thing that I want to note that happened. I, as a Jet fan, who all my life has been waiting for the other shoe to drop, and it has. The other Nike always drops. Okay, the other floor shine is always coming down. Always. But now, since Rex has taken over and changed the culture a bit for the fans as well, I actually texted him down 14 and said, still time, my friend. I said, still time. And he, text, and he texted back and said, I know, that's what makes me nervous. So there's, two, there's new dynamics going on for the fans of these teams. That's strange. I, I, I've, I, have see, I saw enough of Sanchez last year. To know that 14 points with a whole fourth quarter to go is not the game's not over. Game is not over. That's right. Uh, Tony Romo, the tribe has spoken. PJ has decided, I think uh, PJ has decided that is the theme for the Jets this season. It's, uh, it's Survivor. Good job there, PJ. That's a nice little bit of production. That's right. I don't I, know anything I, about anything, but isn't the motto for Survivor outlast, outwit, outplay? Something and like out, out, eat. out fox. Outclass. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, that is the motto, and that's what the Jets did on on Sunday night. They 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 survived a game that they they always lose. Cal. Yeah, I mean, and let's be honest, the, the Cowboys were better than them for most of that game. They were. I mean, they outgained them by thirty yards. They were better. You watched the game. They were better than them during that game. Uh, they were better than them, but what the Jets. <laughs> what the Jets did was they outlasted and they outwitted Witten. They outwitted the the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. I, all I'm saying is that the dynamic for me as a Jet fan, I'm texting back with 14 minutes to go and down 14 points and saying it's not over yet. That's crazy. That's Mark Sanchez, though, my friend. That, yeah. And you know what? When James, uh, when uh, uh, Jimmy Leonard chases down Witten and gets him down at the three-yard line, in what could have, you know, easily put the game away, and they wind up getting the ball back three plays later, when Tony Romo decides that the the play call on third and goal is to go at Revis. All right. 
I uh, that with Mark Sanchez, I do not feel like unless you're losing by 40, I don't feel like I'm out of the game. The thing with Sanchez in this game though was that he did he looked he was a little off for a lot of this game. Then he would you know, but then he but then he would settle down and then he'd throw an interception. Or he would he would be off, he would settle down, then he'd fumble. But but in the end, you know, he he pulled himself together and he was able to 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 manage this game, which is what he's been doing for the last 3 years. I don't care how young he is, you know, you have a, you have infinitely more faith in Mark Sanchez than you would in Tony Romo. But he, well, not only that, Kelly, he threw for 335. I mean, he was 26 of 44 for 335, two touchdowns and a pick. Well, that's because they they threw all game. But but well, because Dallas stopped the run, they took what they were giving him, and he threw to two receivers that he had about eight practices with, yeah. and one and one who's been in jail for the last three years. <laughs> okay, all I'm saying is this about Mark Sanchez, and I think this is what we're finding out more and more, and I wish even his own fans would accept. Okay, is that if you're expecting him to beat Chad Pennington and go 26 of 32, okay, it's not going to happen. But here's what here's what else is not going to happen. If you're down by 14 points, the game's not over. Like That's it right. is with Chad Pennington. Because unfortunately for Chad, he could not make all the throws. His arms scared no one. He also didn't have the escapability that Sanchez has. And Sanchez can hit a 50 or 60-yard play at will. The other thing with Sanchez is, you know, we talk about Eli Manning. After seven years, he is what he is. Mark Sanchez is 24 years old. He's only in his third year. He's going to get better. He is getting better. He's, we're watching him get better. And and I'll take his record as a, re- a regular season and playoff starter. Give me the guy who wins. Okay? And again, he puts, you know, somebody else puts up 26 of 44 for 335 and two touchdowns in a winning effort. It's a good day. For Mark Sanchez, he was off. He fumbled once. He threw a pick. Everybody throws picks. I mean, come on. They're hypercritical of this kid. And it's annoying. And you know what? I'll take the W's at the end of the day. And I like him having the ball in the fourth quarter. But you're right. In that, you know, that, that, Cal, I don't know if you saw, they have that new metric, or it's sort of like new, I, I think it was on Grantland, uh, like the new quarterback rating system or something like that. Did you see that? I, I you know, it's like sabermetrics. Yeah, really... exactly. <clears throat> and he was third from the bottom. Yeah. And somehow, uh, this past week, and somehow Donovan McNabb, who threw for 79 yards, was ahead of him. 39. 30, I'm sorry, 39 yards. 39 yards, yeah. Was ahead of him. Yeah, I know. On that chart. So Donovan McNabb, in a losing effort, who threw for 39 yards, was a better quarterback than Mark Sanchez, who was 26 of 44 for 335 and two touchdowns in a winning effort. I mean, come on. So anyway, that's the big thing I took, though, out of the game. That was my, the, the, my mentality's changed. The change in dynamic, yeah. I feel like a changed man. It's really weird. It's like a whole new world. Yeah, see, but you, you as a, a an adult Jet fan, <laughs> what, do we, what do we want to call that? Yeah, that's what it is. Right. Uh, you don't have the experience with that. No, but what I have, I have my Met experience. That's true. And I just feel like the experience travels with me, this person. This is the last thing uh, uh, I want to talk about with this, but uh, I, you just reminded me I had another thought. 
Again, today or yesterday? I can't remember the day. Might have been Saturday. I don't even know. We haven't done a show in six years. <laughs> so I don't know. Could have, could have been Friday. Here's the thing, Cal. So I'm thinking about how – no, it had to be after Sunday because I was really thinking a lot about how my mentality has changed so much when it comes to the Jets. And Monday. Maybe it was Monday, yes. It's important. So – my mentality has changed so much when it comes to the Jets. And my question to you is, although Terry Collins has done a wonderful job, do the Mets need someone like Wally Backman? No, no, no. Who's like akin to Rex Ryan, who's going to come in and blow the doors off the existing culture with the Mets um, the way Rex Ryan has for the Jets. Is that the only thing that's going to change? It, look, it's worked for the Jets, okay? Since he since he got there, the same old Jets is dead. They're a hated team now somehow, and they've gone to two straight AFC championship games. Okay, and say whatever, you know, I know the media hates them, but they're a good team this year. They're easily one of the top three teams in the AFC, easily. I think it's them, I think it's them the Patriots and the Steelers, to be honest. Um, Rex Ryan has changed the entire dynamic around the team, Cal. Do the Mets need their Rex Ryan? And into the bargain, is it Wally Backman? Discuss. Well, I think there's an important piece of the Rex Ryan thing that you have to you have to mention is that they had, they they provided him with a team full of talent. And I think that that helped. I think if you throw Wally Backman into this current mix of Mets, it's not going to do anything. I think they need but, but, but wait a minute though. Wait a minute. They gave Rex Ryan a team without a quarterback. They had Mark Sanchez. They drafted Mark Sanchez when he got right. there. Right. He was integral in drafting Mark Sanchez. Look, Wally, see, if Wally Backman came in and blew the doors off the place to try to change the culture, and then they started giving him players to back it up, you could see, this, you could see a similar scenario with the Mets. But if they're going to just give him Dale Thayer to go out there and pitch the sixth inning, I don't think you're blowing the doors off of anything. You're just going to look like a fool. Don't, I think the, don't they need somebody, though, to come in and change the mentality, Cal? But I think Terry Collins is doing that. But don't you feel like David Wright, at this point, has like a losing mentality? You know, just like certain guys on the Jets had like a losing mentality. Like, you play for the Mets, you're a loser. Don't you? I, I know Terry Collins, but he's not a big enough personality to do it. You want the guy like Wally Backman to come in like Ozzie Guillen and say, we're better than you, and we're going to beat you. You know what I mean? They need like they need they need something to really redo an entire culture. I mean, that's why Rex what Rex Ryan has done is incredible. Because well, you're talking about 40 years of a losing culture. Well, I think a lot of second-class citizenship that he, in 3 years he has blown the doors off that. I think a lot of, I think it's going to be very difficult to replicate that with the Mets for a number of reasons. Number one, I think the Jets had an owner that was willing to do this. 
he wanted he he made a conscious effort to 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 change the image of the Jets. Okay. Right. That's fair. Um, that's why he hired Rex Ryan. You know, he could have hired. There were other coaches that he could. I don't remember off the top of my head who they who they could have hired at the time, but they hired Rex Ryan because of that. Okay. Um, you have to have ownership. Woody Johnson was willing to put money into this team. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, that uh, they had the uncapped year last year. They spent a lot of money last year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you've got with the Mets. You've got an ownership that can't spend the money, that won't spend the money, that is not more interested in self-preservation right now than changing any kind of culture around the team. Your your point is is good. You're, you're right. The Mets do need their Rex Ryan. I just think it's going to be very difficult for them to to come about their Rex Ryan right now. You know, could I think it, the, No, I was going to say, could it be Wally Backman though? I mean, could could that could that no. kind of guy be Wally Backman? I don't think so because I think he's got too much baggage. I really do. I think he's got too much baggage. Rex Ryan didn't have a lot of baggage, other than a foot fetish. Well, but and, that that videos about it online. <laughs> that surfaced after he got the job. I'm just saying, you know. I, no. I mean, while it what I, I I don't know. I, I know you love Wally Backman. There's something about him that scares me off. I I just think they need a guy who's willing to come into the Mets as manager, who is that firebrand, and considers it the best job in the world. I think you're right. Wally Backman would would be that. He would feel that way. That's the to me. That's one of the biggest reasons. Now look, Rex with all the bravado and the predictions with Rex Ryan and stuff. And if the they, bluster. And the if they don't win, it's going to get old. Of course, of course, it's only going to work for a certain amount of time. It's get it's it's gotten a little old anyway. Yeah, I see, but I I don't think a, li- it gets a little. Old. I don't a little. think it gets old with the players, Cal. I mean, you look at no, the, no, no. You're right. You're right. And that's all that matters. Who cares about the media? Uh, as long, as, as long as the players are buying into it, who cares? Now, you have a couple of seasons where you're 6 and 10, and you're saying those type of things. Then the players stop believing you. That's when you lose them. Right. So it's, so all this with Rex Ryan, the, the media already, has already turned on him. There's already Rex Lash uh, about you know his predictions, and he's full of crap, and blah, 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 blah. But what, what everybody can see now is that the guy can also coach. Guy's also a pretty good coach, mm-hmm. you know. Could be a very good coach as he learns to delegate more, and and you know the job he did as a defensive coordinator for that team last year in the playoffs is is fantastic. But what I'm saying, Cal, is that Rex Ryan, one of the reasons he's been able to change the culture is he thinks the Jet job is the best job in the world. It's his first head coaching job. They gave him a chance. It's the uh, you know he has history with the team because of his father, mm-hmm. because of Buddy Ryan. He thinks it's the best job in the world, and I feel like Backman would feel the same way. It would be his first job. It would be the Mets giving him a chance at at, at reclamation of his career, and he's got the rich history with the Mets. He's an '86 Met, you know, so he's got the fans on his side already, and he doesn't tolerate losing. 
Oh, well, you're right. Look at what Ozzie Gann's done for the for the White Sox. I mean, they have won a World Series. They were always the second team in that town. They probably still are. Everybody loves the Cubs. Okay? But the, the, he won a World Series with them and changed a lot about that team by being with his bravado and stuff. I'm just saying... Think no, it's about it, Brian. <laughs> no, of course I'm thinking. I, I I think it's an excellent point. Um, I just I don't think I don't think it can be done. It can be. It's it's apples and oranges when you're talking about football and baseball. No, and no, the, I get and, and the Jet situation and the Mets situation. But I but I but I do agree with your point that Wally Backman is the guy to come in and make everybody understand that he feels he's got the best job. In baseball, and and also, and also is not. I'm sorry, Cal. And also is not going to do the little brother, take the little brother mentality. He's not. Right. He's not going to stand for that. You know, right. no, he, he's not going to be able to do what Rex Ryan has done and say we own the town. You know, because you you know, but the Mets have owned this town over the Yankees. Uh, I mean, and Wally Backman was a part of it. In the '80s, they drew more than the Yankees did, and they were a more popular team in New York than the Yankees were. Period. Mm-hmm. So it can be done. The Jets have never done that, save for two weeks in 1968. Okay, or 1969. You know, well, the game was played in 1969. It was 1968 season. Right. The Jets have never done that. Okay, until now. So, and and they're just starting to, obviously. But I, I just, all right. I, I I've harped on it enough. I just want you to think about it. I'm not. I have. I did not dismiss your your idea. I think it's maybe, a good idea. Maybe next time we have flood on. Maybe we'll have flood on next week for a couple of minutes. And we'll talk about it with him. Yeah, we'll get his opinion on it. Because I would love to get Flood's take on this. Because we've talked, uh, and we're talking about Patrick Flood, of course, of uh, SNY TV, and he writes uh, the Patrick Flood blog there, and of course Ted Berg and those guys doing a. Uh, they're doing a podcast, Cal. It's pretty good. I've checked it out. I've checked it out a bunch. Yeah. The Mostly Mets podcast. Exactly. It's great. I wanted to uh I was thinking about putting together a uh a little sound clip for them with uh from Princess Bride. <laughs> He's only mostly Mets. <laughs> with a with a bad voiceover like right. that, yeah. He's only mostly Mets podcast. <laughs> um no, it's really good. It's uh Ted Berg, Toby Hyde and, and uh, Patrick Flood do a great uh, podcast called Mostly Mets. Um, Cal, we got to wrap up. I want to bring uh, the bishop back in here for a second, uh, if he'll indulge me. Hello, bishop. Hello. Hello, Dallas. And are you receiving us? No. That, that's uh, that's every Led Zeppelin concert ever in Dallas. <laughs> so whilst you were away uh, working with the children of Guatemala on sabbatical, um, there are a lot of children in Guatemala. Why Guatemala? What did I just do there? I don't know. Picking coffee beans. I don't even know where Guatemala is. Um, you were profiling. I am profiling. <laughs> That's really inappropriate. I'm, I'm third world profiling. Um, I know it's after eleven, but come on. Right. I'm not sure uh, if I should be part of this conversation anymore. <laughs> Whilst we were away, uh, Peach, we uh, we discussed, and I want to just bring you. We got like three minutes. I want to just bring you in, Cal. Remember, I asked you about TV theme songs. 
And we didn't we didn't play the fun load song tonight. We will definitely play it next week. But we discussed TV theme songs that are sung by actual actors in the show. Remember that, Cal? Yes, I do remember. We wanted to pose now that we have you back, we wanted to pose that question to you. Yeah. Uh Alan Thick was the was the impetus for this, as he always is. He's a giant in that niche market, yeah. <laughs> he really is. I did not know he wrote the Different Strokes theme song as well. Sure did. Yeah, he is one of the writers on the Different Strokes theme song. But he, of course he sings the Growing Pains theme song. Now, do you have any others? Give us some others. Characters in the TV show oh, the, that, that yeah. sing the theme song. The Brady Kids? Brady Kids on the Brady Bunch, Cal. That's a good one. And likewise, the Partridge Family. Partridge Family was one that we didn't get at work. Because remember, Cal, I told you we talked about this at work and we didn't get the Partridge Family. That's a very good one. What else you got? Because I have, by the way, I have the I have the clincher on this one. How about Laverne and Shirley? Laverne and Shirley? Right. We we talked about this at work, Cal. I don't know if they sing the whole song. They just do they, the beginning. Okay. Yeah, they they just do the Schlemiel Schlemazel. Okay. Austin Pfeffer Incorporated. Da, na, 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 na. Uh I have another one for you. All in the family. Oh, good one. Way the way Glenn Miller plays. And of course, along with that, uh Family Guy. Very good. I got one. Yes. Theme. Linda Lavin singing the theme to Alice. Excellent. Thank you. Ah. That was a deep cut that somebody at work got. That's excellent. Mm-hmm. And here's another Cal. You're gonna you're gonna kick yourself because I know you love this show. Give me a break, Nell Carter. Nell Carter. Oh wow. Does Mackenzie great... Phillips appear in the theme song to One Day at a Time? I don't How know. know. How does that theme song go again? Please sing it. This is it. This, this is the last is one you get to go in. Have a ball. Come on. You, nope. Come on. I, no, no, I thought that was it. I just wanted confirmation. This now, is it. Now, does Bonnie sing that? Straight ahead, Mr. Show. You can't hey. be sure, though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Schneider. What's the bridge there? Well, how's the bridge go? Don't whoop on me, something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's it's so whoop on your feet. In other words, so get up on your feet. So whoop on your feet. That's right. Somewhere there's music playing. Now does Bonnie Frank? Don't you worry, that? none. We'll just take it like a come one day at a time. Time one day at a time. Okay. I think, uh, I, think I believe Mackenzie Phillips is in the chorus of that. I believe she's one of the girls singing on it. She's not singing lead. We'll have to uh, we'll have to have Doctor Iray look that up when he gets back from uh, Gryffindor, wherever the hell is. The Jeffersons. The Jeffersons. That's the Jeffersons. Not... The Jeffersons was sung by the lady from Good Times. Walona. Uh, the lady who played Walona. On Good Times, she sang the theme to the Jeffersons. Did she sing the Good Times theme as well? No, that was a whole chorus of people, and that was a guy. <laughs> Kicking your head on the water. Yeah, that's a lot of people. That's not one person. I don't think 
I'm not sure if it's kicking your head underwater. <laughs> oh, the only line I remember is temporary layoffs. Yeah. Easy credit ripoff. That's it. Scratching and uh, surviving. I have the uh, I have the clincher though for this one, guys. <sighs> you ready? All right. This one brought the house down oh, when man. I brought it. I'm not the kind to kiss and tell, but I've been seen with Sarah. Come on. Oh, the fall guy? Fall guy. That's Lee Majors? Lee Majors Lee sang that song? That is- I don't believe it. Look it up, my friend. Look it up. I like it. Uh, if he said I've been seen with Farrah, that would, that would do it. It's true I hang my body out to sea. I've been, I'm not going to sing the whole song. It's Lee Majors. <laughs> That's tremendous. Uh, I love that, right? That That's wonderful. I might fall from a tall building. I might ruin a brand new car. Because I'm the unmoon stuntman who made Redford such a star. Thank you, everybody. I'll be here all week. Never oh, in a million years would I have thought that Lee Majors actually did that. That is Lee Majors singing that song, my friend. She wish. And this I, is us doing our own theme song. That's correct. That's right. We should be in here somewhere. Oh, I got one more. I got one. Do it. Will Smith, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh, nice. Right? Very well done, Cal. Nobody had that. Steve, you can't let this guy go. I know we were talking about it, but no. (laughs) Yes. Cal buys himself another week. It's like Survivor. (laughs) I was going to bring in Ving Rams. Ving (laughs) Rams. As a co-host. <laughs> that is all the time. Boy, we went really over schedule tonight. Apologies to Lindsey Buckingham. <laughs> nice to my friend, Lindsey. We're going to have to bump him again. PJ, it's so good to have you back. Give us a final unload. From me? Yeah. Always look on the bright side of life. I stated this publicly recently. I believe that pessimism is a luxury of the young. The only good coping mechanisms for life are optimism and laughter. (laughs) Thank you to PJ Kachopo, the Bishop Pop Culture PJ. Thank you for those words. Words to we, live are, we enjoyed having you on Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, and we hope you'll come back. Won't you come back? Yes. Next week I'm going to uh, simulcast from a small raft in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to PJ. Cal, it, final... Instead of, instead of coming back, PJ, just don't leave. <laughs> I'm staying on. <laughs> Cal, final unload. My final unload is welcome back, pop culture, PJ the Pooh. It's great to have you back, buddy. And you know what? I'm going to do my final unload and go for the PJ trifecta. want to wish a happy 10th birthday to Miss Lily Jane, uh, PJ's daughter, who was born 10 years ago on Sunday. She is a, a sweet little dumpling. We love that kid. My sweet, uh, sweet girl. Listen for the line. That's right. 
How? Boy, I didn't even realize I nailed it because the end of this song is about her. Um, that is all the time we have. Please join us next week for Ready to Unload with Calvin. Pete for Brian Calvi and PJ Kachopo. I'm Steve San Pietro. See you next week. Good night, everybody. <laughs>